You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. feel like who art ed. I'm trying to spice it. Who art ed? Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to a great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and today... We're going to be looking at Renee Magritte. Magritte was born in Belgium, November 21st, 1898. His father was moderately successful in manufacturing. At some points, the family lived in relative comfort, but they also had some leaner times, and they moved around a little bit. Before he developed his sort of surrealist style that he became really well known for, he was influenced by the Impressionists as a teenager. In 1916, he left home and studied at the Académie Royale des Beaux-Arts in Brussels. At this time, 1916, the big movements going on were like Cubism, Futurism, and he was dabbling in those styles. He spent some time doing freelance designing of like ad posters. He worked for a little bit in a wallpaper factory. Although he was making other stuff to pay the bills, he was still painting throughout this time. In the 1920s, the Surrealist movement was taking root, and he was captivated by it. This moved his work in a whole new direction. He started making these witty sort of paintings he became famous for. He was starting to gain some traction in the Surrealist circle, but in Belgium, his work wasn't all that well-received. He had a one-man show in 1927, but it didn't go over well. Shortly after, he moved to France. While he's in France, he lives in the suburbs of Paris, and he starts hanging out with essentially like all the cool kids of the Surrealist movement. He's hanging out with Salvador Dali, Max Ernst, Juan Miro. It was around this time that he made one of his most famous works, The False Mirror, first painted in 1928. He made a couple of versions of it, and I talked about that in greater detail in the full episode I recorded with my friend Emily Fiedler. Um, I'll link that in the show notes. For this mini-episode, I want to talk a little bit about Son of Man. Harry Torxiner, not sure if I got the pronunciation right on that, but he was Magritte's good friend. He was an advisor and a patron. He commissioned Rene Magritte to paint a self-portrait. The thing is, Magritte found it kind of hard to paint his own portrait. 
It's not that Magritte couldn't paint a face. It's that he just had a little trouble painting his own face. He described it as a problem of conscience. Ultimately, he came up with probably one of the greatest dodges for an artist struggling in their work. He painted a self-portrait with an apple in front of his face. The composition is as awkward as I imagine Magritte felt trying to paint his own portrait for someone else. I mean, just think about how weird it would be to give someone else a picture you painted of yourself. But in the Son of Man painting, which not everybody realizes, there's actually more than one. There is another version that's a little bit more in the impressionistic style with streaks of colors. And he made a similar composition with the man in the bowler hat and a suit and everything. But instead of an apple in front of the face, there's a bird flying in front of his face. Still, I'm going to I'm going to talk about the famous Son of Man here. The man appears overdressed and out of context within the setting. I mean, he's standing in front of what looks like almost a cinder block or a rock wall. And there's sort of a seascape on the other side of that wall. We see the water sort of bleeding into a sky that's a little bit hazy. The man's dressed formally. It's a dark suit, bowler hat. I don't know why Magritte seemed to like the bowler hats. They come up in several of his works. The pose is stiff and rigid. He seems uncomfortable, possibly because if you look really closely at his left elbow, viewer's right side, it appears to be bent backwards. If I were looking only at the bottom right of this painting, I might think the man was facing the water. But as I look up, I can see he's looking back at me. Or at least he's trying to. He has an apple hovering in front of his face. Which, if I'm being honest, kind of irritates me. I want to see his full face. But I suppose it would probably be even more irritating to the man who sees nothing but an apple skin hovering in front of his face all the time. Ultimately, that discomfort is kind of the point. Magritte said, At least it hides the face partly. Well, so you have the apparent face, the apple, hiding the visible but hidden. The face of the person. It's something that happens constantly. Everything we see hides another thing. We always want to see what's hidden by what we see. There's an interest in that which is hidden and which the visible does not show us. This interest can take the form of a quite intense feeling, a sort of conflict, one might say, between the visible that is hidden and the visible that is present. And what he means by that is we see something in front of our face, and at the same time, we know that thing we're seeing is blocking our view of something else we could be seeing. That's the kind of twisted sort of circular logic that René Magritte liked to expose and pull apart and confront in his artwork. I also think there's something interesting, some would say telling, about the use of the apple to hide the face, along with his describing his struggle as, quote, a matter of conscience. There are those who talk about religious connections as the title is Son of Man. And that's also the way that Christians refer to Jesus. 
Further, while not directly spoken of in the Bible, the apple is often depicted as the forbidden fruit in visual representations of the Genesis story. Ultimately, I think the reason this piece has become so popular is because it's clear and concrete enough for people to easily understand what is literally in front of their eyes, but the free associations and symbols that are so broad and vague can't be pinned down, they lend it to lots of different interpretations. It can be stretched to whatever meaning the viewer wants to see in it, like a Rorschach test. The ink blots and other images that are vague reveal more about the viewer through their connections and interpretations. Perhaps that's why Son of Man is among the most famous images of the Surrealist movement. It's one of the few artworks that transcends the museums and has become part of pop culture. Actually, technically, it isn't even in the museums. Son of Man is privately owned, rarely seen on public display. But it's been referenced in books and movies like Stranger Than Fiction, The Thomas Crown Affair. TV shows like The Simpsons have done renditions of it. We've even seen references in music videos by the likes of Michael Jackson. But also, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you're well aware, it was the inspiration for the greatest bit of pop culture in the history of the world. My podcast cover art. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted, part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you found this tolerable, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week on social media at Who Arted Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, on the website, whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.